Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 429. Woo! July 31st, 2020. Yep. 105 degrees on this day in 1988 and 47 degrees in 1924. And you know perfectly well that in 1988, the uh, swimming beaches would have been jam-packed on this day. And uh, hopefully swimming beaches that have been kept free of weeds by our friends at Aquaside, a White Bear Lake company that's been keeping beaches free of weeds for more than 60 years with a uh, great line of products that are easy to use and work quickly. Aquaside products are registered with both the EPA and DNR, and I think that's important because these things are safe for you, the fish, your family, that neighbor kid that keeps coming over. (laughs) Don't let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside. What they'll do is identify your specific problem, make sure you get the right product, and they'll take care of it. Your beach will look great all summer long. You can call Aquaside at one 800 328-9350 328-9350 or go to aquaside.com And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media John Hyde in the Newsroom and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop here is your Flashlight King Fireworks Commissioner and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Okay, let's see here. The state's plan uses... Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. What's yeah. up, bro? The state's plan... sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. So let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Sure. Uh, we're recording the show a little bit earlier than we normally would. Is this the closest you've ever come to doing morning radio? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's 9.20. Right. <laughs> uh, the states, I'm talking about the schools now. You almost need a degree in physics from MIT to follow this. The state's plan uses State Department health tracking of new virus cases as the first hurdle schools must clear to consider reopening. Schools could consider full returns to in-person classes if they are in counties with nine or fewer COVID-19 cases per 10,000, per 10,000 residents over a 14-day period. Let me stop right there. Uh, There's 87 counties in Minnesota. I bet many of them don't even have populations of 10,000 people. Oh, sure. For sure. Right. So I, how does that factor in? Schools in counties with higher case counts could attempt to reopen on a more limited basis or full or part-time classes with younger students getting priority for in-person instruction. Schools in counties with more than 50 cases per 10,000 residents would likely have to be fully remote. Uh, okay. Then you go over here to page five. Uh, oh, the hell with it. I don't know what the... Uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis will start with distance learning. That's a shame because that doesn't work. That doesn't work for a variety of reasons. Uh, Discipline being one of the chief reasons. Uh, Who's going to make sure that kid sits down at the kitchen table with his uh, uh, computer and partakes? Who's going to insist upon that? I, I witnessed it firsthand. I witnessed distance learning. Uh, granted, we were only dealing with a, a seven-year-old, uh, but I witnessed her a few times sitting at, at one of the tables upstairs, 
And sure enough, there was a teacher at the other end, and she was answering questions. And uh, again, this is only, uh, you know, first grade level, second grade, whatever she's in now. I think she's going into second grade. It just, it's, it's one day it just wasn't there. And they just stopped doing it. <laughs> it just, it just fizzled out. Well, and as a guy that's, that had to do it for whatever it was, three months every morning, you know, my, fortunately, my kid actually likes school. So it was, it was kind of easy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have a problem with with the kindergartner that's going to be starting here this this fall. So I I don't know I don't know what to tell you because I know that so many of these kids don't have that parent that's watching over them and that's pointing them in the right direction. And those are the kids I feel really bad for. Based on a recent county data, about 180 school districts, many of them in northern Minnesota, would meet the threshold for a full reopening. On the other end of the spectrum, nine districts would have to be online in areas experiencing widespread virus activity. At the moment, the counties in the worst position to reopen uh, are in southwest Minnesota, Lincoln, Murray, and Pipestone. Uh, so they must have more cases per 10,000 people. Uh, but state officials were quick to caution that those numbers are likely to shift and the amount to only a starting point in decisions about whether schools can or should reopen. Uh, it was presented, it is presented in such a way that it is uh, uh, marvelously complicated, uh, which it, I, I'm trying to pair, I'm trying to say this in the correct way. I don't doubt the severity of this virus. I've heard enough horror stories that I certainly don't want to get it. I believe it's real. It's obviously right. real. Uh, but the, 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 this is, it's, almost, it's almost the shell game here. Which, we're, which shell has the, has the marble under it? It's, it's very difficult to follow this and understand it because it just, it's a, such a, a, uh, an overarching uh, introduction of the government into every single aspect of our daily lives. Yeah. I, I'm not suggesting that, it, that, that that shouldn't be the case, but well, what, I mean, am I try, what am I trying to say? Here's the thing. The CDC <laughs> director right now is on CNN saying it is in the public's best interest for schools to reopen. And it's because of what you're saying. It's because of the... The distance learning isn't <coughs> going to work long term. It's just not going to work. It's Perfect not effective. Health, Perfect me. health. But it's also taking a psychological toll on these kids. And right. that's and their parents and, and their parents. And everybody else. Absolutely. And hey, that's and important. Remember, remember <coughs> Jesus. Jesus. I had to pull him wow. down. I hope he's okay. Did he just uh, apologize? Are you still I with apologize. us? Apologize. I'm here. I have perfect health. It was an, I, I apologize. The, the mother, I was talking to the mother of the seven-year-old last night, and she quite, uh, quite literally believes the child's regressing. Now, she's a sharp little kid, and it's nothing serious at the age of seven. But these kids at this age, they need this socialization. They, do. they, need, yes. they need this. They need to get those books in their hands. They need to pay attention. They need to learn the rules of reading and writing and obeying authority and and all of the other things that that get accomplished uh, in a proper school. Now, but this places, see, what this does is it it places this entire mechanism that Walls has created uh, beginning back in March, this complicated uh, algorithms, and all of it it, uh, predisposed on one, theme we don't want anyone to get sick we want hospitals to be ready we don't want anyone to get sick is that correct that's the basic premise of their behavior we don't want anyone to get sick well okay then 
then how do you send a kid back to school? I'll play devil's advocate. Then what are you doing sending kids back to school? I personally believe they should go back to school, but doesn't this fly in the face of what they've been doing since March? They have to get the kids back in school. So now to do that, we get another layering of the complicated algorithm that we're down now to cases per 10,000 residents of a particular county. And, and I guess we're supposed to presume that that's been studied well enough by the health department and other bureaucracies that that will, will provide a safe reopening. And we will, uh, we will be joined by Mr. Tom Hauser of Channel 5 in about 20 minutes, sir. Wonderful. Guys, did any of their projections um, or predictions, any of that, did any of them come true? Not, Forecasting? No, no, no. no. No, we never hit any of those numbers. And, and yet, and yet again, yet again. I mean, I, I played golf the other day with three guys I had never played with before, and I asked each one of them. Uh, somehow, COVID came up, and I asked each one of them, "Do you guys know anybody who's had it?" And they all did. Uh, and one guy uh, knew uh, his law partner, a uh, 28-year-old son who was fit, lean, and a track star, uh, was on a ventilator for 22 days. Finally, had his life saved by a heart-lung machine, and I. Oh. God bless that young man. I don't think his life will ever be the same. He'll ever be the same. He has to learn to walk again. Wow. And how, how old is he? Wow. 28. Wow. And then another guy said, oh, my college kid had it. Uh, he had it for four days. These college kids think they're immune. They're, they're fit. and they get it. He had a headache and a little fever for four days, and it was done. Yeah, it's it, different it, for everybody. It's different. for It's, it's so different. So, so go back to the school's... Uh, Reopening and staying open will just depend on the on the virus. Yep. There's an interesting, and I don't think necessarily unrelated, uh, uh, guest editorial in the uh, Tribune today, uh, written by Douglas Green, managing director of Haber Hill, which is the operating uh, partner of the owner of the Hilton and Hyatt Regency in downtown Minneapolis. And he's got a really interesting series of bullet points here. Uh, business needs relief from restrictions before it's too late. And then he details this. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz told business leaders during a recent conference call that a mask mandate would lead to a relaxation in capacity restrictions. But the most recent executive order doesn't address those limits. Second point. Government officials say they want consistency in guidelines and orders. But... There is no logic or consistency in the capacity restrictions on large venues. Point three, leaders of state government claim they want to partner with businesses, but they don't act on suggestions and plans set forth by business owners. Point four, COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths in Minnesota have leveled off and in some cases fallen over the past two months, but capacity restrictions remain in place for many businesses in Minnesota. Point well taken. Thousands of union and non-union members are still out of work in Minnesota, but unrealistic restrictions are keeping businesses from bringing back workers. Restrictions keep businesses from hiring back employees, but hunger, homelessness, and overdose overdose deaths are increasing monthly. As the coronavirus rages, so does unemployment in Minnesota, but our policymakers seem caught up in partisan politics instead of what's good for the state. We are expected to pay property taxes without relief, but our businesses are not allowed to operate anywhere near full capacity. Big box stores have been open throughout this pandemic, but there is little, if any, monitoring of capacity. 
Our businesses are the backbone of our state's economy, but many will be forced to close for good without some relief in the immediate future. We don't like big butts and we cannot lie. <laughs> Governor Walls, government leaders, and elected members in the legislature, it's time to let businesses get back to business, no ifs, ands, or buts. These are really, really great points. You can't have it both ways, Gov. Right. You just can't have it both ways. I, I don't know where to be on this. Uh Except the opening of the schools is a, is almost a, a laughably complicated set of uh, 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 algorithms designed to uh, have us believe that, I guess, if only nine people in a county of 10,000 people uh, is safe, uh, 11 people in the county wouldn't be. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Uh, I, I've attended quite a few... Uh, Little League games lately. Uh, saw the kid hit a hell of a double last night, too, by the way. Did they all chase after it, or is, are they at the age now where... Oh, these are players. These just are the eighth, fielders are going these are after eight, it. No, this is eighth grade. It's oh, nice. an amazing, amazing transition to watch how they improve. Uh, to to a woman there, it's, it's, it's full of mothers. They want the kids to go back to school. Yeah, uh, Most of them have kids in schools that will reopen. Uh, the private schools are not bound by the, the, you know, the little Catholic grade schools are not bound by walls. Uh, I, I suppose at some point, if there was a terrible outbreak, the Catholic schools would certainly heed what is happening. But uh, as of this moment, I think Creton, for example, I didn't know this. Creton's the largest Catholic high school in the state. I would have imagined Benilde or something what might have been bigger than hmm. Creton. Uh, Durham Hall is opening up uh, uh, with a hybrid system. What is it? What, well, you get you get you, well, two days you can be there, uh, three days you can't, three days you can be there, then two days you can't, and when you're like not John Hyde's schedule, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then when you're not there, you'll be on your computer at home. And again, this will work for kids with involved parenting. And, and the and the the sad truth of it is, uh, many of the kids in the public school system will be struggling to accommodate this uh, either because of an absence of a parent or parents who have to work uh, and and can't be there. And it's going to be a real, real problem for a lot of those kids. I feel terrible about it. I don't know what to do about it. Uh, I guess you take your complaints to the government. Little guy across the alley from me hates this, wants to go back to school, just hated Mm -hmm. learning from home. Just hate it. I was talking to, and I can't remember if I shared this with you guys on the show, but I was talking with a teacher out near my way in, in our school district, and his contention is that you can, you know, if the governor allows kids to go back to school in whatever form, he's fearful that a lot of these teachers, the ones that might be fearful for health reasons or whatever else, might end up not showing up or striking or whatever. And yeah. that's just a that's just a prediction that he has. Well, there's been talk of that, Chris. He's yeah. not far off. There has been talk of that. I, I think a lot of what I've learned since March uh, with the governor and his people around him is that, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll broach this with Tom Hauser, who's been the best reporter in the state covering this. I always feel like I don't know any more after the most recent announcement than I did the previous day. That's so spot mm. on. Yeah. Yep. I don't know any more today about whether schools should reopen or not than I did yesterday. I wonder what Tom's reaction to that line will be and if he'll feel the same. He is to be commended for how 
objective, he still tries to practice his craft. Uh, we're, we're, we're losing that in the, in the world of news gathering, and he, uh, he does a hell of a job with it. He's not the only one in town who does a hell of a job with it, but he's very prominent. Uh, but I don't feel like I know any more what's going to happen in September than I did knowing what I thought would happen in June. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just it it's just amazing. Uh, it's just amazing because we keep getting uh, inundated with the stats and the graphs and the charts, and uh, they're all well-meaning. Uh, you know, some some chart they're all useless. Some are some are important. Whatever that old saying is. The state plans to supply students and teachers with cloth and disposable face masks, and teachers and some staff will get clear face shields. Schools will also get a supply of tests for teachers who think they may have been exposed to the virus, though some teachers raised concerns Thursday over whether those supplies would be substantial enough if multiple tests were needed. Uh, Okay. Well, I tell you what. I don't know any. That's what I need to clarify with... uh, Tom Hauser, I, I just well, and every the way I I read into it too, it, it's all well and good to have a plan, but as we've learned with everything, whether it's sports, schools, whatever, everything is subject to change. I mean, it, it, one you know one school having a having an outbreak or whatever means that the entire state's going to shut back down again. Yep, that's right. Joe, I've been listening to Garage Logic for over a year now in the podcast form, and I really enjoy it. I wish I would have been able to have been a long-time listener, but I'm from West Virginia, so I only found out about you because of the Internet. Now I find myself wanting to get things like your book, The Companion Guide to Life in the Radio Town, because I feel like I miss out on some of the references that longtime listeners naturally understand, and also to help bring my friends up to speed on the logic behind Garage Logic. I've looked online, and they're either not to be found or prohibitively expensive, so my question is, can you still get them? I think I could put that book to work, pushing back in West by God, Virginia, Nick, Nick Hartzell in Virginia. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to tell a little story about the book. Uh, it what ultimately happened is the timing for publishing Garage Logic, a companion guide to life in the Radio Town, proved to be completely uh, wrong. The timing ended up being completely wrong. The Why? book the book came out just as the station was uh, morphing from a talk radio station into an all sports talk station. And uh, Garage Logic. Uh, Is that when you became the speed bump? Yeah, I was called a speed bump. <laughs> it's an all sports station except with Sushri, a, a global warming speed bump in there every every afternoon. I love how you turned that rip into a compliment. I oh, love, I love it. I, I love, love it. That. So, and it was a beautifully uh, illustrated book by Greg Holcomb, and it contains all of the aspects of Garage Logic, but it, 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 it faded quickly because of a couple of reasons. One, uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of station energy could have afforded to be used to promote it, which is understandable because they were becoming a sports talk station. Uh, this was all in 2010 when we were making the big switch. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is. Uh, we always had anecdotal evidence that we were widely being listened to, but it's taken the podcast to prove that to be true. So now, in other words, 
right now would be a good time to publish the book <laughs> because there's a large and receptive audience. And uh, I might I'm explore. I'm another project for Reavers. That's what I'm smelling right I'm, now. I'm going to explore. I'm going to explore maybe reissuing this. Well, it's going to have to be an updated version. Well, not not terribly. Not you've terribly. Added a, you've added some stuff. Gold, well, fi- uh, goldfish. Oh, well, yeah, we can uh, add stuff. How about another chapter? What do you mean? Well, of could you add another chapter? Of course. But devoted could, entirely to the transition to, to podcasting? Joe, I think well, you should let Chris and I uh, write a chapter. Ooh, together. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, the Reaver's but, but, awesome but, take on things. But here's the problem. Uh, it's not my decision to make. Uh, there's all kinds of dynamics that come into play, like fulfillment and shipping. Does, does Hubbard, Inc. want to get involved in becoming a bookseller? And on and on and on. Well, who, so, do you own it? It's your property, isn't it? No, no. Hubbard owns GarageLogic, which is fine with me. Of course they own it. It was created with their microphones, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. But I, I don't know what... Uh, you know, I got about 25 copies. Uh, I suppose that's not enough, though, for... 800,000 people. <laughs> I love I that. Eight, uh, I think it's 800,000, 869,000. I, uh, I love that we're having this conversation on the show because now we're going to get slammed with emails about where can I get a copy of the book along yeah. with my sticker. Right and, and now. My and my flag. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we got to quit looking stupid on this flag. E, e, you know, oh, we're not. Uh, well, fish or cut bait, baby. You know, you know what they say, Suits. You got to spend money to make money. So yeah. write a check there, Big Daddy. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and make I, it payable to Kenny Olson. <laughs> I already did for the. For the stickers. Right. Yeah, and the problem with that is there's no, you give the stickers out for free. You should be charging 10 bucks a piece. I'll never (laughs) forget the look on your face at the state fair last year when you were told we couldn't hand them out. Oh, yeah. And you went, what? I wrote the big check. We haul over a box of stickers. And everybody said, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You, you can't give away a sticker that's actually a sticker. Because they don't want the stuff stickered. Yeah, because they assume that the people that acquire the stickers don't want the stickers, and they're just going to stick them anyway. But we know, knowing GLers, we know that's 100% false. They're going to take them home and put them on the toolbox, the car, the garage, the window, whatever. Well, anyway, we follow the fair's rules. Uh, I'll figure something out, won't I? Sure. I don't have any doubts. I have Spencer Grunhofer's beef raffle winner. Oh, yeah. Oh. Craig Craig Bear is of White Bear Lake is a Garage Logic listener. Nice. And uh, Spencer has given us permission to release his name. So, congratulations to Craig Bears of White Bear Lake. You have just won a quarter side of beef from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. That's worth eight hundred and fifty-six bucks. Uh, Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo on Highway sixty-one. Now adding twenty-five hundred additional square feet because you garage logicians have turned it into the meat destination of the entire free world. Brats, steaks, tomahawk steaks, burgers, chops, jerky, skewers, you name it. Meatloaf, the popular meatloaf. They're making it as fast as they can and flies off the shelves. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats on Highway 61 at the north end of Hugo. Before you break. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, before you break, and I want to address Craig here, and, and I think the best way to address Craig would be through Sid, 
uh, when Sid asks. Oh, yeah. He was going to ask. Darn it, Kenny. I, asks, I just saw your text. And uh, Where's Sid the party? Asks, hold on. Hold on. He's got to ask the question. We can't just let him not ask the question. He's going to Craig, ask. Craig, where? Where's the party? There we go. There we go. Now That's, we can break. Boy, we got great for. timing, yeah, don't we? we do. 869000 right That's there. That's right. Here's a man that's doing morning radio for the first time, Joe Souchere. We're joined by Tom Hauser of Five Eyewitness News. Tom has followed the uh, daily, almost daily briefings of the governor and the health commissioner since uh, March. Tom, uh, the one uh, sentence that I would ask you to help me explain is that since the beginning, since the since every announcement, since the positioning of every graph and chart and statistic i always end up feeling this way i don't know any more today than i did yesterday (laughs) i i agree wholeheartedly with that assessment in fact many people uh, dealing with the school situation at the local level including teachers administrators and parents feel like they don't know a lot more after the governor's school's announcement yesterday than they did before. Okay, what do you think you learned yesterday? Well, I think that I learned that it is a very, very complex situation that every local school district is going to have to decide for themselves based on the level of coronavirus activity in their area. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to any of this as i understand it if you have f- 10 or fewer cases in a per ten thousand residents you can open does that mean you can't open if you have 11 cases per ten thousand residents well even this is is, is kind of wishy-washy these are these are guidelines that they say uh, i mean the governor came right out and said you can you can choose to follow these these guidelines and be or you can be less restrictive than the guidelines or more restrictive than the guidelines but i think most school districts in reality will follow the guidelines uh, if for no other reason than to avoid any kind of liability that might come from you know going outside the lines right so right. I, I i think i think a lot of them are going to try to follow as much as they, I mean, if you if you read the 21-page documents, oh God, is, no, I haven't. Is, let, let me give you an, an idea of the complexity. At the bottom of page 14, I read this on the 10 o'clock news last night, just to give people an example of how complex this is. All right. Let's say you have one positive case of COVID-19 in a classroom, whether it be a student or a teacher. This is the scenario. This is just one sentence of this 21-page document. If a known exposure occurs in a classroom from staff or students, close contacts will be quarantined at home for 14 days. Close contacts are defined as someone who was within six feet of an infected person for at least 15 minutes, starting from 48 hours before illness onset until the time the patient is isolated Testing is recommended for all close contacts of confirmed COVID-19 cases. You follow all that? 
I do, but I'm just going to go. That is that is actually two sentences, and I noticed the second one is kind of a run-on. I think it was supposed to be uh, three sentences, but again, they were putting this together uh, pretty quickly. W- what that means, essentially, there's like two pages on, on the uh, positive case scenarios. What that means is if that student or uh, or the staff member came within contact of someone for that requisite amount of time, 15 minutes, uh, if it's less than 50 people, 50, five, zero, who came in contact with that person, they will urge all of those people, let's say it's 20 or 30, to go seek a, a COVID-19 test wherever they can get one on their own. If it's over 50 cases, that might trigger what they call a testing event, meaning they would would get these 50-plus close contacts uh, all to go get tested at one place. Maybe they would, I don't know, pull up a, a van in the parking lot of the school and everybody comes up and gets tested. I mean, this is, and then you multiply this times the hundreds and hundreds of school districts. This is a recipe for chaos. Well, Tom, it also suggests that at 13 minutes, I'm off the hook. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and who's keeping track? I mean, I've been in the newsroom, Joe, every day other than uh, a few recent vacation days since March. Mm-hmm. I come in contact with people all day long. You know, we do social distancing as much as possible. We wash our hands. And now we're wearing masks when we're in the newsroom. And I, I couldn't tell you if somebody said, okay, who did you spend 15 minutes with and who did you spend 10 minutes with? Right. You know, because it's in, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So how, how do you go to a, to a nine-year-old kid and say, okay, who have you spent 15 minutes with? He doesn't you know those, lunch. Who, who was the rapper that wore the big clock around his neck? That's Flavor Flav. Well, everybody <laughs> needs the Flavor Flav clock. See, and you enter the classroom, you punch the Flavor Flav clock, and then you keep track of your time. And at 15 minutes, you look around and you think, no, you're approaching 15 minutes. And you say, time out. I'm approaching 15 minutes. You get up. You walk outside. You get in the hallway. You come back in, reset the Flavor Flav clock, and you got another 15 minutes. I like, so instead of, or in addition to distributing masks to all the students and staff, you're saying Flavor Flav clocks should also be yeah. distributed. Yes, I am. Thousands of school children. Well, I think that's a great idea. I want our tax dollars to buy every child in Minnesota a Flava Flav clock. <laughs> but it has to be stopwatch. A big Mickey <laughs> Mouse uh, clock, yeah. Sometime today we're supposed to learn uh, the latest status of the, of the state budget deficit, which you might recall went from a $1.5 billion surplus to a $2.4 billion deficit in early May. Mm-hmm. Sometime today we expect an update on that. But my guess is there is not going to be money for Flava Flav clocks i don't think so tom i I think it's a i think it's a good hunch so and and i don't mean to denigrate at all what the governor and the education and health departments are trying to do here because this COVID 19 thing is a complete mess but at some point we need to learn and maybe it's too soon right now to figure out how we're going to learn to live with COVID 19 but as dr fauci everybody else tells us it isn't going anywhere anytime soon so are we going to keep schools closed essentially for the next two years I, that's I just, I, that's that's I not know. that's not plausible uh that will no. really set the kids back too far I, I, oh absolutely and it's it's their 
it's their education, it's their mental health, it's low-income students who have difficulty accessing uh, the free meals, uh, it's the daycare for parents who need to go to work. It's just the tentacles of this thing are incredible. Well, what about the kids with special needs? Absolutely. I've gotten emails from parents with kids with Down syndrome or on the autism spectrum, and they need a lot of special attention. You cannot get that on an iPad. No, and I think a lot of the, uh, the the sad reality is a lot of the uh, kids in the Minneapolis and St. Paul school districts are going to be really uh, hard-pressed to adhere to distance learning because uh, they might not have someone in the home to enforce that discipline. They have to work. Uh, it's just... I, let me let me cut myself short. I know you're short on time, but to, when I say I don't know any more today than I did yesterday, I could also say I don't know any more today, basically, than I did in, on April first. You think that's a reasonable statement? Oh, absolutely, because the, the the guidance and the advice and and the and the studies change every day. I mean, right. Joe, we have we have been on this pendulum from March eighth when Dr. Fauci went on sixty minutes and said, "Don't wear a mask; they're worthless. Everybody fidgets with them, and they're they're no good." To twenty six days later, right? He says, "You got to wear a mask, uh, otherwise everyone's going to die." Essentially, I, I know I'm a little hyperbole there, but 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 the advice changes. Then one minute, asymptomatic people can't spread the virus. Then the next minute, oh yes, they can. One minute. Uh, the virus spreads on surfaces, then they say, well, not so much. Well, then they go back to, well, yes, it does. The, the advice and, the, and the, the projections change on a, on a daily basis that it's hard for anyone to keep up with. And I am fully cognizant of how complicated this issue is and about how little we know about this virus still. It doesn't make it any less frustrating. I agree. Thank you, Tom. All right, Joe. Anytime. Yep, thank you. Tom Hauser, uh, wow, it, it's amazing uh, to hear from him who has been inside the room every day. Uh, easily agree with the observation that most of us don't know any more today than we did yesterday, and that's not an indictment of Tim Walls. That's I don't know what it is. It's well. What it is is the acknowledgement of the unknowables about this virus. That's what it is. But you know what it did do, though? It, it did solidify, I forget if it was you or Kenny earlier in the show, just saying all of these predictions have been wrong. Yeah. Not all of them, but most of them have been wrong. Well, Kenny, uh, you gave me a homework assignment to study Placerville, California. Did you know Placer is a form of mining, Placer mining? I did. Yep, and uh, it's a very interesting story about what's taking place there. Let's discuss that in a moment. All right, but first I'm going to tell you guys about Chill Boys. That's right, the most comfortable underwear you will ever own. Join the club like the GL crew. I'm right now, look at these guys, I'm wearing the performance briefs. Check these out. And it was, I don't want to check them out. No, they're, they're, they're I have mine on. That's all I need Which to know. Which ones you got on, brah? The ones that are shorter than the long ones. <laughs> 
Well, uh, one of them, one of them almost goes down on my knees. Yeah, that's right. That, those without are the, uh, without expounding, I have not put on mine yet for the day. Oh, yeah. okay. It's been, it's I, been we don't need morning. you to tell us that. Thank you for the update. I it's, don't want those kinds busy. of updates. Chillboys.com. Go check out all of their selections. And by the way, T-shirts are also available. Sunglasses. They ship nearly everywhere in the country. Check them out for yourself and join the GL crew and own the most comfortable underwear you will ever have. They're called the Chill Boys. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. So, one thing the Minneapolis police didn't mention when they gave us tips earlier in the week on surviving violence and mayhem in Minneapolis is the GLers Armory. Yeah, they gave us the the lock the doors, the don't talk to strangers, don't leave valuables in the car, and so on and so forth. Uh, But they didn't mention DK mags and a whole bunch of training and practice. If you're thinking about self-defense or home defense, please, you got to think about DKMags.com. They're up on uh, Old 8 and New Brighton or Monticello Pond and Gun. A couple of wonderful shops that GLers love. And there's a difference between home and personal protection. Uh, Bring it up with the folks that work at DK Mags. They'll explain the difference to you, the pros and cons of each. They'll help you make a decision. They'll also help you with which loads you need, practice rounds, carry rounds, etc. They're going to fit you with a holster if you need that, cases, safes, whatever. If you're a hunter or a sport uh, shooter, DK Mags and Monticello Pawn and Gun, they're your shop. They're the best source for everything you need with very competitive prices and sound advice. Monticello Pawn and Gun, I've been talking about them this week. How awesome. You can stroll in, pick up anything from a concrete saw to a Glock 19, 12 gauge loads, whatever. Uh, we can find all of the above and more at Mon- Pawn and- Hello? Monticello Pawn and Gun, 1219 Highway 25. Never mind that. Just remember. South of 94 in Monticello, really close to the freeway. 5% off firearms and accessories if you're an LEO. Quick, Joe, LEO, tell me. Law enforcement officer. Or a first responder or a vet. DKMags.com. They're in New Brighton or Monticello Pawn and Gun. Wonderful shops for GLers, run by GLers. Joe, I don't know if they carry gold pans. I'm not sure about that. Kenny gave me an interesting uh, homework assignment. Uh, and by the way, you're never going to do this again because I, <laughs> I, I have enough on my plate. But this is a fascinating story. It's a story in the it's a column in the Los Angeles Times called "It's Time to Chop Down the Lynching Tree from This California City's Logo," and it's written by a very well-established guy named Christopher Knight who's the Los Angeles Times art critic, he won the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for Criticism. He also was a finalist for the prize in 1991, 2001, and 2007. In 2020, he also received the Lifetime Achievement Award in Art Journalism from the Rabkin uh, Institute, whatever that is. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating story on the history of the logo in the city of Placerville. I'm going to pronounce it Placerville because I think Placer is the type of mining, and you would pronounce that Placer mining. Yeah. I think it's Placer, but well, 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 we whatever. can agree. Well, we agree no, let's establish it. Reavers, quick, look it up, please. I, I, right. I looked it up yesterday, and they threw a couple of S's in the description, so I've been going with Placerville. Okay. It's east of Sacramento. It's in the heart of what it would have been the Gold Rush country back in the 1840s. It became a city in 18. 18- 
54. I believe Kenny is correct. It's Placerville. Placerville. Okay, Placerville. Yeah. City of Placerville uh, is the here's the here's the logo. Uh, around the top of a circle, it says City of Placerville. On the bottom, it says Old Hangtown. And there, in the foreground, there is a miner a panning for gold. And in the background is a tree from which hangs a noose. Interestingly enough, it had that noose had nothing to do with black Americans at the time, African Americans. It had to do with, well, I'll get to it right here. Uh, three hangings, Joe, just mm-hmm. three, after three men on horseback came into town with guns ablaze. And, of right. course, the name stuck after that. And they're, they're, the city now is, is facing uh, the cancel culture, as they uh, it could justifiably be understood to, because it's a, it's a, it's a dreadful uh, image in today's modern era. It's and, shocking. Yeah. It is. But the letter writers to the Mountain Democrat, the local newspaper, are, you know, the old uh, let's not erase our history, which I'm generally on the side of not erasing our history. Uh, erasure of the lynching tree represents a liberal force trying to remove, remove history, cried another. Please do not remove the history of our town, begged a third, while a fourth contended that Old Hangtown is just a historical statement. Old Hangtown is what Placerville got nicknamed before it was much more than an impoverished 19th century mining camp set up to a modest creek. It sits barely 10 miles from the spot where James W. Marshall stumbled on some glittery metal flakes at the water-powered sawmill owned by his boss, German-born Swiss immigrant John Sutter. The Berg was instrumental in the epical California gold rush that kicked off in 1848. That history is nothing to be sneezed at. Remember, I'm reading a Pulitzer Prize winner. Placerville became a distribution center in a supply chain that saw billions mined from the gold rush fields in the Sierra foothills east of Sacramento. There's not much left. California's non-indigenous population went from 800 to more than 100,000 by the end of the next year. Just 20 short months after the first gold strike, the Golden State joined the Union. Uh, Okay, and then it goes on to say how uh, history easily blurs into myth and legend, but wild and lawless treasure hunting ignited the Hangtown nickname, a violent place where hang them first and question them later, as a cheery local saying goes. One credible story had a trio of desperados getting caught after robbing the sleeping owner of a gambling parlor of his gold dust stash and threatening his life. He may have been murdered, accounts vary. A makeshift judge and jury were convened on the spot, and the trio was convicted, sentenced to death, and promptly struck up from a massive oak tree uh, at a place next door known as Elsner's Hay Yard. The lynchings kept coming. Three other scoundrels were hanged for horse stealing, another for holding up a hapless miner in his cabin. Irish Dick, one Richard Crone, lately from New Orleans, was hanged for using his trusty bowie knife to separate a gambler's beating heart from his chest after an Jeez. insult at a card table. Wow. Uh, wow. That sounds like South Minneapolis. <laughs> a mob lynched five for rolling a visiting Mexican gambler, maybe Placerville's first instance of civic concern over imperiling the tourist trade. The graphic design of the Placerville logo springs from all this. The picture tells a very simple 
tail, a rope frame encircles a flatly painted cartoon-like image in which a bearded miner pans for gold in the foreground, his crouched body ethereally framed by a puffy white cloud floating in a clear blue sky. That big oak tree dangling a noose stands behind him like a distant sentinel. Prominent rustic lettering names the city of Placerville, which ditched the old Hangtown nickname in 1854. Uh, They did this, by the way. Uh, They changed their name from Hangtown to Placerville because they wanted to become the seat of the county. They had to clean up their act. Originally, the town had just been called Old Dry Diggins, an informal reference to the method for surface mining minerals in the absence of water, but that history is omitted from the logo. Hangtown's emergence shifted vernacular, shifted the vernacular, issuing an unsubtle warning to potential thugs. Okay, but then... uh, then, uh, the practice of lynching proved to be less than useful for a growing village that hankered to replace Coloma, the dusty site of Sutter's Mill, as the seat of booming El Dorado County. Hangtown had an image problem. Rampant extra-legal killing doesn't quite square with an establishment desire for civic power. To make a credible appeal to gain governing authority, residents needed to shake off a sordid reputation for vigilante justice. The town postmaster, apparently urged on by local churches in a busy temperance league, is said to have uh, uh, sought something more dignified. Thus, Placerville was born. Placer mining, which is a method of sifting mineral deposits from a stream bed, fit the tasteful makeover bill. And within four years, the spectacular Sutter Mills find an official new moniker was in place. Today's disputed municipal logo essentially pictures a name change. Lawless Hangtown is on the far horizon, off in the background, and hardworking Placerville takes pride up front. Who designed the logo and when? I cannot say. Let me just cut to the chase here. Uh, because this guy has a, he's an art critic with a with a pretty good idea of what to do. Uh, again, there's no mention that this lynching had anything to do with, you know, a KKK type criminal behavior. So what right. is Placerville to do now with the dicey bit of prominent local lynching history and its municipal logo? Here's a suggestion. Take a cue from the solution to the image problem that first gave the town its name. Don't erase the lynching tree cut it down. Redesign the graphics so that the oak, its offending limb, and the dangling noose sprawl on the ground while the chopped stump is left behind. That is, after all, what really happened. In 1853, the townsfolk did cut down the big oak tree in Elsner's hay yard where all those convenient mob executions had taken place. Ending the practice of lynching was essential to spiffing up the reputation of the soon-to-be newly named Placerville. Four years later, the California legislature chose the scrappy town to be the El Dorado County seat. The image rehabilitation succeeded. Uh, That's the story a smartly redesigned logo could tell, a success story of forsaking something barbaric in favor of something civilized. The current logo misses the key point, making it just bad history. The lynching tree stump still exists, hiding in plain sight. A bronze plaque installed out front of a former saloon built on the site of Elsner's hay yard explains the stump of the tree is under this building. Since 1934, the 80th anniversary of the city's name change, the humble stump has been state historical landmark number 141 marked with a sign on what is now Main Street. In the pit, 
in the pit of the Great Depression, honoring the stupendous riches of the gold rush legacy gave hope. For Placerville's long history, the stump matters, not the noose. Time to bring it into the light. So scrap the dangling noose on the town logo and cut down the tree. Repeal a civic memorial to mob rule and replace it with a commemoration of civilized progress. That's authentic Golden State history. Who could possibly eject? Christopher Knight. I agree with everything he wrote. I think it's a brilliant piece. Uh, I, 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 I think it's well-reasoned. And what he's calling for is show how you've changed. Show a cut-down tree and the noose lying uselessly on the ground. I think that's are, we a, acquie- are, are you acquiescing to the dumb among us? What do you the mean? The people that don't know history, that don't get it, that don't study, that have no idea. They just look at an image and see what it means today and, and don't know or care the history behind it. Is that what we're doing here? I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'm just asking the questions that GLers are going to ask you. No, we're introducing, uh, Placerville must introduce a note of modern civility. Uh, I, I, I have, I do not, this guy, believe me, I don't know anything about this art critic except that he's well recognized. Uh, his name is Christopher Knight. I really don't think he's a hardcore righty. I think I'm out on a safe limb there. I think, and he is suggesting, he is, I think his suggestion is perfect. You keep that logo, but you show the tree cut down and the noose laying on the ground. I I think that's a brilliant, brilliant way to handle this. But do you think in 2020 that'll be good enough? Uh, That's up to Reavers. Oh, that is a good one, Reavers. Thank you. You are right. There was a case yesterday, not yesterday, uh, where did I read it recently, where a local woman uh, wrote a letter to the editor, I believe, demanding that Pierce Butler Road in St. Paul have its name changed because Pierce Butler was a noted slaveholder. No, it was named for Pierce Butler, who was a a Supreme Court uh, justice who never owned slaves. And she said, oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, you're... (laughs) Oh, wrong guy. Sorry. So you're dealing dealing with people who aren't going to learn their history. But this, this art critic went out of his way, I think, to give you a brilliant history of Placerville, California. And I'm sure it's a tourist destination. And they got to clean up that logo. I don't see any problem with that. And if that means I'm acquiescing to people who won't study history, then that's what I'm doing. But given today's (sighs) sensibilities, uh, a hanging tree with a lynch, even though it had nothing to do with what was happening in the southern United States between post-Civil War and World War II, uh, the imagery... Uh, must be brought into the modern era. That would be my conclusion. The whole finding gold in California thing really, really changed that state for about 30, 30 years where mm-hmm. th- um, nobody wanted to do anything except mine. You couldn't right. hire. They had a hard time hiring workers to build the railroad. And yep. you have to remember that was 20 years after the finding of gold. So much so that they finally, they called in the uh, Chinese and started uh, shipping uh, Chinese in, much to the dismay of uh, the white people, only it 
it ended up being beneficial because the Chinese built the railroad right, way right, better right, than we right. could have. But uh, there's there's a, a sidebar to this. It's kind of the frontage road to this mainline story that I discovered this morning here, Such, and that there's now a movement afoot to change Minnie and St. Paul from the Twins logo because they're white guys. Really? Oh. I did not hear that. Oh. I think that's silly. That's just obscene. And that was my initial um, initial response, but then we started talking about what you would replace it with, and I came up with the brilliant idea, oh, I know, Kirby Puckett. And then to me it became a great idea <laughs> because it would be awesome to say if Kirby was one of those guys. But, yeah, so no, that's what's no, happening No, no, I got locally. it. I got it. Two flavor flav clocks looking oh at each God. other. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Let's cue the music and bring Patrick on board, if you would, uh, Chris. All right. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. What does dedication, perseverance, resilience, and accomplishment best describe today? We think that would be the graduating classes of 2020. What we are most proud of for these graduates is their ability to overcome challenges and their pursuit of future opportunities. True to their perseverance and resiliency, these students found new ways to celebrate this milestone this spring. It puts a smile on all of our faces as we drive through those communities and still see hundreds of yard signs supporting these young people. These graduating students deserve the spotlight for they are Minnesota's future. Please join the Canopy Group in honoring your friends, relatives, and neighbors who represent the graduating classes of 2020. Hey, Pat. Yes, Joe. I believe you and I differ. Uh, apparently, uh, Reavers indicates to me that you, uh, you're you not opposed to putting a runner on base to start extra innings. No, that's not true. Okay. I said that I, said that I probably, uh, if we have to compromise, I would probably do it in the 12th inning in the future. But not, you know, not. Not right away. How about right double? Away. How about double headers being two seven inning games? That offends me even more. It's just that is unbelievable. That is Pat. little league. That is little league. That's unbelievable. It's These just guys. Pat. I can't take it. I can't take it. Uh, I just can't take it. So the parents can go home. Yeah. <laughs> they all hate baseball. The seven inning double. I mean. College, John Anderson has fought and battled at the U to get rid of those damn seven inning double headers. Yep. You know, college baseball, they play nine, you know, they, they play nine innings now. They won't play those damn seven innings. This is ridiculous. Here's the good part, Joe. Yep. If one of those seven inning games goes to extra innings, yep. we're going to put a runner on second in the eighth inning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it. Baseball's killing itself, it's trying to kill itself. Yes, it is. Pat, you know what I suggested the other day? I said what they should do is how they settle things out in Cologne. When you run out of pitching, you just go yep. over the shoe beer. Whoever Shots drinks the beer. shoe beer fast enough wins the game. Pat? But there's there's controversy. There's controversy. Because last year when my guy Craig Texa defeated the guy from uh, Spring Hill, I believe it was, 
for the, the for the trophy they passed in a beer chugging contest. The other guys claimed that uh, Craig spilled too much on his shirt when he was chugging. <laughs> so, and so he refused to accept the result. So we have that uh, problem. But yeah, Pat, beer Pat. chugging would be great. Yes. I think baseball has survived previous attempts to kill itself, and let me explain. Uh, the first attempt to kill itself was the introduction of lights. That was not germane to the game at all. That was considered a real novel, novel experiment. The second uh, instance they survived was the designated hitter, which I had trouble with. Uh, that's That wasn't baseball. They also survived steroid use. Okay, what they're doing now, though, is is inflicting upon the actual nine-inning game new dynamics that were never intended to be put in place. And that's what I can't take. That's what I can't uh, take. And you have, we're trying to uh, uh, grab the younger audience. Yep. And the early results, I did a little tirade on this the other day. <laughs> the early results are that, oh, there's 10, that, I, I saw ESPN, those fraudulent SOBs, today had a piece about how Putting the runner on second has turned out to be glorious. No, it isn't. For 20 minutes. For 20 minutes. Next year, you think by May 1st of next year, anybody's going to give a damn or be talking about putting a runner on second anymore? Mm -hmm. It's going to be like a three-minute, oh, that's kind of fun, and then everybody will just go on to ignoring baseball. So. They're, they are Rob Man now. Rob Manford. I can't blame everybody who wants to savage Rob Manford for the Marlins going out to the clubs. You know, I can't. I can't get mad at Rob Manford because the Marlins went to the strip club or some damn place, right? And gave everybody right. disease. But uh, but I can't get mad at him about everything else. Yeah. And by the way, and I got to admit, I'm a little grouchy, grouchy this morning. I got a lousy night's sleep. Okay. Uh, by the way, because, uh, because this demon came to me last night, and I was trying to get, he was oh. trying to get familiar with me. Oh. What and, demon? Uh, luckily, a demon oh, came a, and he started. It's an internet thing, Joe. My man, fondling my man boobs. Luckily, I woke up. I woke up just in time, thanks to the warning from Doctor Emmanuel. I was, I was on the lookout for these demons to come down. And, oh, this was the uh, alien demon that that wishes yeah, to have sex with people. That yeah, comes yeah, to you in your dreams. Oh you know. yeah, yeah. Who knows yeah. what his intention might have been? That's right. Oh my God, Roycey, this this thing with baseball, Roycey. Oh, uh, the current condition of baseball reminds me of the final season of Brockmeyer, which I guess I'm going to have to go ahead and, and uh, recommend you watch because Brockmeyer is made the commissioner of baseball and has to do all these ludicrous things in order to oh, save the game. I might watch it right now and give me my columns for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you might have to. Um, yeah, that's good. That's so, good. Pat, are we going to be in trouble with uh, with our local nine now that the Cardinals uh, had to close up shop because they tested positive for COVID? Oh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, so they canceled. They postponed the uh, the Brewers. I didn't hear this to, either. Yeah, the Brewers are supposed to host them tonight for their home opener in Milwaukee. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, who knows? We might not be playing here tonight. Yeah, that just about the twins. Yeah, that just yeah, happened about about less than an hour ago. That news broke. Hey, that Justin Bieber can pitch, huh? Oh, oh boy, man. our boys had no chance. No, he no was really chance. sharp. Wow. Yeah. Well, he just set the uh, tied the major league record for most strikeouts in the first two starts in history. 
27. Yep. Wow. Yep. I By swear, way, some of those guys know. struck out on purpose. My God, it was just amazing. <laughs> What's his name? It's not, it's not uh, Sean. Shane. Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber. And they also, by the way, have this guy who's supposed to pitch tonight, Clevenger, who was basically the second best pitcher in the American League. He's the guy with the uh, who we used to call a hippie. You know, he had the long. He's got the real long hair. So. Yeah. I, of course, said on Twitter, I said, now they got to face that hippie, Mike Clevenger, and people are saying, well, make him get a haircut. Yeah. It's supposed to be a joke, you dummy. He's a 1960 <laughs> joke, you know. Anyway. Hey, yeah, but- well, I didn't know that. I bet they're going to, you know, they yeah. probably might not be able to play tonight. So, Jeez. I- and, Pat, I-, I saw something on Twitter today, and I think you owe Mr. Burt Blylevin an apology, by the way. What's that? On this date, in 1972, Chicago White Sox slugger Dick Allen hit not one, but two inside-the-park home runs off Burt Blylevin. And I saw the video. Whoever the center fielder was for the Twins should have not only been fired, but executed. He was so bad in the outfield that day. I'll have to look 72. Because Dick Allen wasn't that fast of a runner. No. But oh, yeah, he was. He was, was he? When he was, you know, yeah, when he was young, he was... Uh, one, you know, Mock just raved about. Oh, okay, that, I remember him as slower than that. But the, the well, he'd be seventy-two. He probably wasn't at the height of his skills. But yeah, uh, you know, he's a he was a Hall of Fame hitter. He was just a complete lunatic. But yeah, they panned uh, a Blylevin though, Pat, and he looks at the center field like you got to be bleeping kidding me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to look it up. Look at that. Seventy-two. Who the hell would have thought? Uh, I can look it up real quick if you guys want to chat. Not Barbie Darwin, for chance. Have we gone to Bobby Darwin by then? I don't think so. Okay. Pat, will football go into a bubble? I heard that rumor. How do you do that? I don't How know. Do you get that many guys inside a bubble? I don't know. You could get a soccer team and an NBA team inside a bubble, and maybe even a hockey team, but, yeah, you got 90 guys. That's going to be a big bubble. You that's a big bubble. What? You get ten teams in a bubble there. That's, uh, that's you know thousands of people. I don't know. Here's your uh, outfielders for the 1972 Minnesota Twins. You had Cesar Tovar, Tony O, Rick Rennick, Jim Nettles, Charlie Manuel, Jim Holt, Bobby Darwin, Steve Bry, and Mike Adams. Who's your uh, candidate? Darwin. <laughs> Jim Nettles. Yep, me Darwin too. Darwin was there. Could have been Jim Nettles. My big remember is that. Uh, Remembrances that uh, that he might have screwed a couple up, but I'd, I'd have to check. Darwin could be too because he was a right fielder. They played in center field some too. You know, if you I see, told him that though. I wouldn't have told Bobby Darwin that I thought he did it. he was flawed because he would have kicked that crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, he was a big, strong fellow. Yes, he was. The great brawl he had with Milwaukee. And uh, he was uh, he went after Ken Berry, their center fielder, and he chased him through the dugout, up across the field, out the outfield. And, and uh, we asked him after, which he said, Bobby, is Ken Berry tough? He said, I don't know, but he could sure run. <laughs> he, said, he said, can he fight? He said, I don't know, but he could sure run. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Pat, have you seen the field at the St. Jude Classic? It's virtually everybody except Eldrick. What a field. Really? Oh, my Why word. Why did they come here last week and play? I don't know. Oh, well, it's a World Golf Championship. That's yeah. Right. It's the FedEx it's uh, St. Jude w- Classic. It's yeah. a WGC event now. They yeah. gave it. To keep FedEx as a sponsor, they gave uh, Memphis uh, one of those WGC events. So yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what it is. And uh, 
Yeah, it ought to be nice down there playing golf this weekend. Uh, be sure to hydrate, fellas. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be any worse than they had it for the 3M. That was a hot, humid weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was. It yeah. was. I, uh, I'm hoping that that wasn't a preview of the fields we're going to end up with here. I think it was probably just that Hollis didn't really uh, call in any favors to get a field last week because there weren't going to be any fans anyway. So right, I right. wasn't once kept good. Once kept good. He'll make it to the weekend. You're a little short. Right. Uh, Bryson shot a little 62, I think, yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, he can. Yeah. I, I was shocked he didn't show up. He finished here last, second year last year. Yeah. He was their first commit last year. Yeah. That was the other Bryson instead of the 270 pound muscle Bryson that we Oh, it's now. just extraordinary what he's done to his body. <laughs> it's just amazing. He went to that castle in Germany with the lightning bolts crackling overhead, <laughs> had some uh. secret doctor work on him. Wow. Yeah, he's. Uh, he was uh, he was a guy that uh, if he walked into the uh, you know the baseball clubhouse in the late nineties, you would have said, oh, "Okay, mm-hmm. okay." Okay, Pat. Yes. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm gonna keep stay away from those demons. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> I don't blame you. Like I hear they like us fat guys. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nice bosoms, <laughs> Pat. Thank you. Yes, See you later. Like, See you later. Like big boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll give out that GoFundMe address for uh, Pat's new phone. Yes. Uh, because yes. <laughs> sometimes it's almost like he's maybe uh, lying down and he turns over on his stomach and talks into the pillow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or is he wearing his mask? Maybe he was yeah, I, inside one of those old galvanized garbage cans. Right, right. <laughs> you know what, though? Won't, won't we, at, at some point, if, if the signal is crystal clear, won't we kind of miss it a little bit? You know, it's part no, of the it's no. part of the belt. No, no, I don't no. think so. No. It's like moving into a new studio. studio. Here's, the current, <laughs> here's the current headline on the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press website. St. Paul superintendent calls for full-time distance learning this fall. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So good luck, good luck, kids. When we come back, I have to tell you about uh, the latest Minnesota State Fair news. Uh oh, let me grab a beer. Yeah, scramble tap, scramble tap. Can't drink all day. It is, and it's brought to us once again by our friends at Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits, the best bottle shops in the Twin Cities, hands down, located in South Minneapolis at Hiawatha and 42nd, and in White Bear Lake at Highway 61 and 4th Street. They are proud supporters of the, 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 the Scramble on GL. And by the way, they are still doing delivery if you haven't taken advantage of it and you live inside the 694 494 loop. Place your order. ElevatedBWS.com. $5.99. It's a flat fee and it usually ships within one hour. Place a business at your home, whatever you want, but uh, show those guys some love. And they also took on our friends at Harmony Spirits just a couple of weeks ago. And folks, they have the best handcrafted spirits made right here in Harmony, Minnesota. And if you check out A Spirits and Hopkins, by the way, they will ship 
to your door, basically in every state in the country right now. I'm a particular fan of the bourbon whiskey, but I know Rook really liked the vodka. I haven't tried the vodka yet, but my wife also tried it, and she loved it. But ask for them at your local liquor store. Harmony Spirits made right in Harmony, Minnesota. And uh, by the way, uh, the tasting room is going to be open this weekend. So if you're in the area, stop by. But make sure you ask for them at your local liquor store. Harmony Spirits on Twitter as well. Joe? Before we get to the State Fair, I must tell you, I must read this. It's important. Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. You? Mayor, I've been missing in action for a few weeks due to getting established on this deployment. I wanted to reach out to you and thank you for playing the Stephen C. Anderson clip of him on Bone Lake. It's been a long time since I've been back to the great state in the summertime. The beauty and majesty shown in this photo was something I've not seen in years. The Minnesota-Wisconsin lake scene is unique, at least in my humble opinion. Thank you for sharing this with the GL audience. The video was a nice break from the 126-degree temps in endless beige. Nick Webb from North Carolina, currently in Kuwait. Can you imagine how lovely oh, that must have appeared to him in Kuwait? No kidding. Now, what you did is po- it, Such, about just sitting on shore or in a boat, just staring absently out at the lake? Yeah. Why can I spend all day doing that? What but I hope that? that provided him a, a, a bit of meditative relief. Uh, oh, it was amazing. Did you have that on? Uh, it's You can get it, uh, yes. Chris, right? I, I, Listeners can find it. I posted it both to the Garage Logic Facebook page and the Garage Logic Twitter account, and it got a lot of reaction. And again, uh, before the State Fair news, which is predictably going to be comical, only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India, from Tom Lyman. On this date in Minnesota history, July 31st. On this date in 1884. The state's first rail shipment of iron ore from the Sudan mine reaches two harbors. And on this date, in 1910, Split Rock Lighthouse opened, built in response to a 1905 storm that sank 26 ships on Lake Superior. At first, Split Rock can only be reached by boat. Isn't that interesting? Now for the state fair news. The uh, ticket line uh, crashed. You, uh, the ticket line to the State Fair food parade, uh, Kenny, it crashed. Is that correct? I've uh, got the tweet here 10 minutes ago from, oh, where'd it go? From the Minnesota State. Come on. Uh, here it is from the Minnesota State Fair. We are currently experiencing an extremely high volume of State Fair fans attempting to purchase food parade tickets. Mm -hmm. Tickets are being sold, but the event is not sold out. Please keep trying. There are 74 responses, and every single one is outrage. Tickets went on sale at 10 a.m. online, and apparently with such demand that the old system just went down in a pile of smoke. But we called just this. Second, yeah. Just, just in, within seconds, Joe, you just you just rebuilt that engine. You fire it up, and yep. it explodes. Boom! <laughs> Kenny, what was the analogy you made? You said that this is going to end up being like a Stones concert. They're just going to keep adding dates and adding dates because people are just going to keep buying They're these gonna tickets. They're going to have to. Yeah. They're going to have to. And, of course, they can't sell. You can't go buy a real ticket. You can't can't stand in line. That's not social distancing. Right. God, it's I a miss one, the old days. It's a 1.5-mile drive through experience featuring 16 food vendors, and we so cherish our state <laughs> fair that uh, people anxiously went online at 10 a.m., uh, and so many of you did that uh, good luck. <laughs> she just crashed in a pile of rubble. Oh. 
man alive. The old, we have one Minnesotan that was okay with the fair being canceled, and that was the guy we just talked to on the phone. Pat was the only guy that was yeah. completely fine with the fair being postponed. I told you yesterday. I'll miss it. I'm serious. It, I, it became too. an important part of the Garage Logic season. It really did. It became an important part of, of the Garage Logic life throughout well, the years. And can you imagine? I mean, we did we did two shows, right, last year at the fair at the Channel yep. 5 building. Could you yep. imagine the crowd we would have gotten to show up this year? Oh, it would have been fantastic. Well, without COVID, yeah. Yeah. We would have needed that giant stage. Right. Oh, I think that'd be fun. I love the fair. I, think of all the GLers we've met over the years. No kidding. It's just amazing. It, it, it really did become an important part of the of the Garage Logic calendar. H- had we... Uh, but... It, it's over now, and it'll never happen again. So days gone by. Let's look forward into the future where we never do another state fair. Well, I'm going to look forward to doing it next year. And uh, uh, what I've done typically during state fair shows is I drive my scooter to the station, and then I, because uh, I don't have to carry a lot of stuff with me, I carry, I drive my scooter to the station, then hop on the shuttle bus. Uh, I have a Yamaha scooter, which are of, I have a Yamaha S-Max. You can get those at EcoFun Motorsports. They're a little larger than the smaller scooters that get about, but I still get about 60 miles to the gallon. But Tim at EcoFun Motorsports has a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, inventory of small scooters. They're nimble. They turn every errand into an adventure. They get a lot of mileage. You can park them anywhere. You can get in and out of trouble. It's really fun transportation the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings of course you have to be careful but i've got a number of routes i've devised depending on where i go also those fabulous bintelli e-bikes at ecofun motorsports Uh, get out there today or tomorrow morning for a test drive on a bintelli e-bike uh great great way to travel they also have a full line of youth recreation equipment helmets apparel great service department it's uh it's right there on highway 61 because GLers own Highway 61. It's right there on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. It's EcoFun Motorsports. So All right, boys. Uh, yeah. I was just checking my calendar, and next August, uh, it turns out I have the COVID next August. So, <laughs> Do you? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to miss that. I'm All right. Well, we'll we'll cheer you on. We'll root for you. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Well, hopefully you come out in the end. Yeah. Thank you, GLers. Yeah, good I don't, I don't. COVID next August. Hey. It's been a good run. Yes, it has. PodMN is your source for previous episodes of GL, and uh, use it to find maybe some new shows after you've caught up on all of the past episodes on Garage Logic and it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Get to Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. And I'm telling you right now, get yourself the Smoke Fire Grill from Weber. You'll never be the same again. I've used mine basically every other day since I got it from Fratelloni's. Well, Fratelloni's is where I got my tube of construction caulk oh, yeah, and that punched a out? hole in the top of it. I might as well have gone to the gas station, ignored the fuel door, and just filled up the back seat with gas. <laughs> nice good man what a momentary lapse of reason have a great weekend (laughs) samer theory i'm a victim i think i'm a victim of the samer theory my brain's getting fried